Big Fluff. Did you say Maison de Sang? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what all the locals called, you know. We, uh, that's, that's the name we've been using for years and years and years, yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. This place has a nickname already. It's like uh, <laughs> Tara or uh, Twelve Oaks. A little you know? bit like that. Well, that's, that's very Southern. <laughs> oh, it is very Southern. Oh, what does it mean? House of Blood. It what? House of Blood. And of course, you know, the Cajuns, they like to call it Liu. Le Mont, Le Same, Jamais. Oh, I like that. Isn't that pretty? I love um, the sound of that. Uh, wh what does that one mean? Oh, place where the dead never rest. Mm. Yeah. Then, of course, there's also Casa Pedrosa, that's Spanish for house of the lost. Yeah. And oh. then some people just call it the spooky old house on down the way. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's still October and we're still trapped in hell, so we're doing hell movies still. And that means that we are doing the 2013 horror comedy Hell Baby. Yeah, we are. Quick question though, now that I'm thinking it, this is a random thought and again... I've said it before and I'll say it again. We hate tangents on this show, so I apologize. But uh, hate but if you get it just because this is related to the intro, so I feel like it's still kind of on topic. Do you think a silver lining could kill a werewolf? Ooh. Right? Hmm. I'm going to say no. Okay. But what if it like, what if the werewolf was depressed and then like maybe it would like cheer it up and then he would turn back to a man? See, that's what I was going to say. I think if anything, it will it will temporarily break the curse. Yeah. That if you if you just show it a silver lining, then uh, it'll be like, oh, and then it'll revert back to its man form. But if you used a regular lining, it would have no effect. Right. It yes. has to be a silver lining. Have to be a silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. Also, glad we, glad we got that out of the way. Glad we got that out of the way. Also, just want to rip this bandaid off. Uh, as far as I know, there are no werewolves in anything we're watching this month. So we have a werewolf sound effect at the beginning and no werewolf films this but it, year. It's a spooky. It's a classic spooky mm -hmm. Hollywood werewolf sound. So it fits. Yeah, it's spooky. We're doing spooky movies. Also, there are werewolves in hell. <laughs> They're probably. Yeah. Like the bad ones. The good ones yeah. go to heaven. There are werewolves in heaven, too, I think. Oh, yeah, they're good werewolves. But like. <laughs> like the, the ones in hell don't have nards is what I think it is. Yeah, that's part of the. That's, part that's why they, they're in hell. Because they get to hell. They had nards in life. They had nards. And then that's part of their punishment is they no longer have nards. Yeah. <laughs> yep. OK, so we're going to have to do Monster Squad at some point, even though it's a beloved movie. It really is. But yeah, it's it's here's the thing. OK, everybody listening, send us emails telling us you hate Monster Squad so that we can yes. uh, plausibly say that it's maligned. Right. And then we can do Monster Squad for this podcast. Yeah. It got me thinking, like Wolfman doesn't have nards. Was that like a greater social commentary on the spaying and neutering of of pets? I think that's what it is. I think that they saw Bob Barker on television and they assumed that Wolfman wouldn't have nards because someone would have helped control the pet help control the werewolf population. Also, in their defense too, and I would include Monster Squad in this, 
And every depiction, as far as I know, of a werewolf on screen, you you never see their nards. That's yeah. A lot of times they have pants. Like mm-hmm. if you go like uh, yeah. Lon Chaney Wolfman, but yeah. In other instances, you know, you don't see his wolf dork. <laughs> wolf dork. But we're talking about Hell Baby. <laughs> wolf dork would be a great film. <laughs> anyway, oh, man. But Hell Baby. We're here to talk about Hell Baby because we were we're already too far astray. And we're yes, going to be laser we, focused. That was the only digression that we're going to have this month. Yes. But I will say, maybe it's a fitting way to get into this film. Because you know what else is a bit unfocused? Hell, baby. This movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think a lot of that stems from the fact that it was largely improvised. And it shows. Yeah. I'm going to look because and we're going to have silver linings and like sincere silver linings. But I just want to say before we get into maybe some of the reasons that this movie was maligned up top that I love this entire cast so much. They are some of my favorite people in all of comedy. And I particularly love Tom Lennon and Ben Garant who I think are geniuses. Uh, I, the state is phenomenal. Reno 911 is phenomenal. I love their book, uh, Writing for Fun and Profit, which I've read multiple times and is one of my favorite books about Hollywood. They are amazing. They are comedy legends as far as I'm concerned. And they're, they're in this. They wrote this. They directed, they directed it. it. So I just want to say all that. Cards on the table up top. Uh, but I, I would imagine I, you know, I would have to, they seem like uh, guys that have a good gauge for their work. And I think maybe even they would be willing to admit that it's, this is a fun movie. It is a movie with many scenes that made me laugh, but it is maybe not their most focused project. No, this, yeah, this movie is... At best, uneven. And I want to put my cards on the table and say that uh, I may enjoy this movie as much as any that we've watched for the pod. Yeah, I'm going to put my cards on the table <laughs> again. Other cards, different cards than the different other cards. Because he's cheating. He has yeah. two hands. <laughs> I have to, but the ones up my sleeve, I'm going to put them on the table and say that I probably did not enjoy it as much as you did, though I still enjoyed it. Yeah. No, this like... I would say, like, if we were putting this, ranking this with just based on caliber of movie alone with all that we've watched for the pod, this is probably somewhere in the middle. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. That being said, I would like for personal enjoyment might be in my top five. Okay, All right. That's fair. It's it's personal taste. But yeah, I I think, yeah, I, I would put it somewhere in the middle of things we watched. I did enjoy it. Uh, I I will say this, too, that I think I enjoyed the end of this movie, like the the latter half of this movie more than the beginning. I was a bit concerned, if I'm being honest, at the beginning, because I think it takes a while to get some traction going. Yeah, it. I think it, in some ways it's expertly parodying a lot of the crappy horror movies that it's parodying and that it takes a while to get its feet under itself you know that's fair maybe it's unbelievable meta commentary on such a high level that they intentionally were aimless and unfocused in the first act just 
just to really mimic the movies that they're parodying. Yeah, maybe. But I did find that. And, and I don't know how you felt, but it's like and again, love Rob Corddry, uh, you know, love uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Uh, but the, I, the A story in the beginning was probably the thing I was the least interested in. I was way more interested in uh, the friendship between the two priests and the two cops. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, again, I'm not getting ahead of myself, but uh, easily some of my favorite stuff in the movie. Yeah. But the the actual, like, couple moves into, the as we heard at the beginning, like this murder Mason house. Song. Yeah, this murder house. And then uh, the wife very quickly is possessed. And uh, Rob Corddry, a little slow on uh, realizing what's happening, maybe. Yeah, um, definitely. And then, like, I would say once it sort of hits the third act and is like, all right, now we're just going to do an exorcism. Yes. With all these great characters that we love. No, uh, no. Yeah. And then, it, but yeah, it is. Because it's like, I think the movie's having a hard time deciding how much they want to parody and how much they want to do the thing a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's that's a lot of its problem, because, I mean, the, the plot of this movie, and we basically kind of said it is new couple, uh, pregnant wife move into this haunted house. Wife gets possessed by the devil. They enlist the help of or some priests get put on the case and then they meet up with some cops and there's an exorcism and Keegan Michael Key is there, too. Because he's just a neighbor who keeps wandering into their house. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point, who might live in their crawl space. Actually, that seems equally plausible as well. Uh, also, like there's some other characters that end up showing up. Um, the sister of the wife, yep. uh, played by Ricky Lindholm. Who I also up. love. Oh, wait till we get to those silver linings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, fantastic. Uh, Camille Nanjiani showed up for a cameo. Yeah, he makes this is before he was, uh, you know, that well known in comedy circles, but yeah, he makes an appearance. Um, Michael Ian Black, friend, uh, former, also former state cast member, has a minor role. I w- I wondered this, I, and maybe it's very loving, and he appreciated it. But if you're Michael Ian Black, and of all the members of the state, they're like, "Hey, Michael, you want to be in our movie? We have a part for you." You show up for five seconds, and then you're disemboweled. Do you think like he has questions? Do you think he's like, "Why didn't you ask David Wayne? Like, why me? <laughs> why did you think of me for this?" Because no one would believe that they could take out uh, Dan or uh, was it Lou Marino? Is that his name? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, no. Um, Ken Marino. Ken Marino. Ken yeah. Marino. There we go. Ken Marino's yeah. too handsome and charming. You couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ian Black is just the right amount of sleazy to have a, a very clear outline of his wiener in bike shorts and then get disemboweled. Well, that's no one would complain if it was the outline of Ken Marino's uh, no. junk in bike shorts, I think is clear. Although I will say credit to Ken Marino, if he's listening and we know you are, that he is an absolute chameleon in the show Party Down because somehow that man who is so handsome and so charismatic makes himself so pathetic in that show. And I don't Just- know how he does it. An absolutely hateable, despicable doofus. <laughs> and it's some it's of his so best good. work. Yeah, he's he's really great at it. But well, and like Adam Scott, who everything we've seen since then, he's sort of this down on his luck. Every man plays just a cocky dickhead. Yeah. And it's it's like a lot of people are surprisingly playing against 
their comedic type in a lot of instances. Not Lizzie Kaplan, though, who's no, just she's playing, playing awesome, which is all she does. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah. But we're not talking about Party Down. Uh, Laser focused. Laser just zeroed in, locked in, as locked in <laughs> as Thomas Lennon and Robert Ben Garant were in making this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's the fact that it's unfocused. I think the fact that like it's very much like shot and edited and lit like a comedy. Yes. I think to the movie's detriment in a lot of ways. Yeah, I well, I think that it it was lacking any kind of grounding, either like a little bit more of a commitment to the aesthetic and the story or just something. Like it just yeah, because it's like you said, it's lit like a comedy. I feel like a lot of times scenes go on a little bit too long. Like it's all just kind of contributing to like a little bit of like a lack of focus in the way it looks and feels. Yes, I agree with both of those sentiments. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it really does kick in in the second half. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's like specific because i mean it's also one of those things where it's like it's a comedy and, and there's a lot of improv like I, I don't know if there's much like there's nothing that jumps out at, well you know what i will say i think the thing that worked the least for me in this movie was the old lady was mrs nussbaum yeah, yeah. i think that like i think some of it is that they hit it too many times yes i would agree with that I think if they had ended it with, uh, so again, if you haven't seen this, this is like this old lady character that's like kind of, I think, supposed to be a parody of maybe like the old woman in the bathtub in The Shining or something. Essentially, she's a, yeah. She's a creepy naked old woman and she climbs into bed with Rob Corddry and he it's, is terrified. So he grabs, I think, a fire extinguisher, right? And he clocks her with it and then he thinks he killed her and then he buries her. And then the cops show up, uh, which are played by uh, Rob Hoible and Paul Shear. Yeah. Two thirds of human giant are there. And yes. uh, wearing each. Did you catch that their name tags were each other's names, which did make me laugh because it's yeah, very that, silly. That was, a, that was a solid chuckle. Like, uh, that, yeah, Paul Shear's character was Officer Hoible and Rob Hoible's character was Officer Shear. Yeah, just a, a very nice note. But uh, but they show up to ask questions because this woman is missing. Uh, well, we think that's why, but then it turns out that they have her with them and she wanted to thank Rob Corddry's character <laughs> for, because she was tired and he put her to bed in the ground. Uh, and so she's thanking him and then wants to give right. him a hug. And I think if she had never shown up again after that, I think it would have been perfectly fine. But then she yeah. shows up a few more times to diminishing returns. Right. Because at the end, she's just riding a bike. Although... Uh, Keegan Michael Keegan was like, oh, look at Mrs. Nussbaum on a bike over there. <laughs> like, that was, where's yeah. where she with that lady to get a bike? Like, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and it was just like, it was just a weird, like, I think because the movie couldn't decide if the cops were good at their job or bad at their job. And I think that was another problem. Well, right. Because again, in the first scene, you're sort of introducing them as clueless to what's happening. And then by the end, the movie decided it needed them very tapped into what was happening. And it's kind of an uneasy marriage of those two. The, the two versions of them that we get, they, there isn't really like a justification for the pivot. They just get better at their job the longer the movie goes along. Right. And I think I think it's fine 
I think they could have threaded that needle better where they were clueless to the supernatural goings on, but also still very good cops. Yeah. Or just clueless completely, but somehow in their cluelessness, they come back around to figuring out what's happening. Also could have worked. Right. But uh, the the wishy-washy half-assedness of their characterization in the movie, I think, was to the detriment of the movie. Yes. Although um, I could have watched two hours of them eating po'boys with uh, Tom Lennon and Robert Ben Carrot. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to hold that off for the silver linings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and just the fact that they're setting up this weird j- jump scare with Mrs. Nussbaum. Yes. Yeah. Like that was odd. Um, yeah, it just the cops, I think, were as much as I love uh, Rob Hoyle and Paul Shear, I think they're both hilarious. I love them in. Like, I think they're always value added, as, especially as those like kind of background characters that just have a couple of good lines and, and do that and do their thing. Um, I think they were arguably, with the exception of them interacting with the priests, I would say like the weakest part of the movie, maybe. Yeah. Well, also, there's there's the thing, too. And it really made me laugh in the moment where when they're eating po' boys with the two priests where uh they're explaining their dynamic and they're like i'm a, he's a rookie and i'm a like i'm old, a bit of a loose cannon i'm a loose cannon and that's very funny and like it it's played for laughs in the scene but it's like we don't get that at all anywhere in the rest of this movie what you're saying right. in that scene is never shown and maybe that would have worked too if the two of them had been there'd been more of a contrast between the two of them if we had gotten the loose cannon cop with the rookie partner would have given them more to play and would have been more, right. you know. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think, you know, it's comedy is, I think, arguably one of the most subjective genres of movie. Uh, Cause there's some things that are, you know, universally beloved comedies or seemingly so, but somebody like, I just don't find it funny. And there's other stuff where it's like, no, that that really tickled me. And there, it's it's a lot more ineffable than I would say, like romance, horror, action, things like that. So I think that and that's why I think comedies have such an uphill battle for getting good reviews. So it would be easy for us to do a lot of comedies on the show. But I think smart that we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. I also like you. You started to get at this and then I, I think I pivoted in a different way. But. I think if it had been shot more like a horror and maybe had more horror elements earlier, it could have had that as well. That even if the comedy didn't always land, maybe it had some legit jump scares or like some legit scary because like the end is very funny, but it's still pretty like graphically violent and shocking. And like so that almost feels like it comes out of nowhere where again, like earlier in a film, the the rules of this world seem to be that you hit an old lady with the fire extinguisher. There's no blood and she's fine. And then at the end, people's throats are getting ripped out. (laughs) So it's like, maybe like get, you keep saying that it's a murder house and a lot of murders happen. Maybe dial up the the horror aesthetic and the horror elements a little earlier. Or you have more situations a la Michaeline Black's character. Because that's really uh, the only one is, yeah, you see right. Michael. And that Ian doesn't Bro- even happen in the house. Right. Yeah. He's like, again, disemboweled and he's and crucified and crucified. Uh, but yeah, maybe more of that um, or even just descriptions of things that happen in the house or something, you know, I don't know. But yeah, I think it could have used more horror overall. 
Yes. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good to pivot. I think we could easily spend the rest of the show just talking about things that we like about this movie because there's a lot to talk about. Oh, no, there is a lot that we could talk about that we like about. It. And it's fun sometimes talking about movies that we enjoy more than we dislike. Uh, so, you know, I think that I think that's a good thing. So let's I think it starts with the priests. Yeah. I mean, Molly pointed this out, too, uh, when we were watching it, too, of like, I don't it's possible that this is the coolest Tom Lennon has ever looked in a movie like just his aesthetic as the priest a plus like yeah uh but no they both uh I love the way they looked I the choice to make them chain smoke throughout the entire movie is a great choice yes really appreciated that like just the idea of them is good <laughs> and when they get called out for it at the rental car place and he just headbutts the uh, the rental car agent, who was also the same actor that played Mrs. Nussbaum. Fun fact. Oh, nice. I didn't realize that, but that's yeah. great. But yeah, all um, of that. Yeah, like all of it is great. Also, uh, just them <laughs> getting the crow <laughs> with the the symbol on it and then faxing it to the Vatican. And then the shots of that like young choir boy or whatever he is, young, like, you know, Vatican intern. I don't know what role that would be, but like just altar boy, altar boy. Yeah. Just running with the papers in his hand, like through like way too long to get it to the Pope. Yeah. Um, Which also this is not a tangent because this is related to everything we're talking about, which is Tom Lennon, Robert Ben Garant and the Pope, which is to say watch this date sketch with the pope it's one yes. of the funniest sketches they have ever done oh my on god the state. hey the pope uh, <laughs> oh no the grape uh, juice we got a grape juice all over our nuts and what the clothes and the pope he's a common it's fantastic yeah, it, that's it, the it whole is. thing pretty much it's just it's it's great it's if you ever wanted to see a pope enter a room and say hey i'm at a pope uh, then i have good news for you <laughs> it's uh yeah, it, it's delightful. Um, yeah, I think I think that my favorite scene with the priests, besides the random cuts to them working out with like old timey medicine balls, also, also still chain smoking yeah. gold. Yeah. But uh, when they eat the first po'boy scene at Domelisi's po'boys, uh, those scenes are just hilarious. They just s- literally stop everything in the movie and just gush over these po'boys is hilarious in and of itself and it's like they are eating them savagely like carnally <laughs> like yes, it is yeah it is an experience this visceral they got the chips and yeah <laughs> they're drinking beers and they got the hot sauce and the whole everything and it's it's amazing and like when rob hoible's just like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well also again we talked about the cop side of it and again it did make me laugh so much where they really wanted to tell like no i'm a loose cannon and they're like yeah yeah, yeah. No, no, we get it you're not friends and you're friends yeah. no, no, we get it <laughs> them really wanting to explain it more and them just not letting them crack after up. they did the full-on like uh you know flashbacks to them joining the priesthood it's like but that's the michael jordan of bulls <laughs> but that's what i was gonna say though too is that both of their backstories amused me so much. Like, just like they were both ridiculous in their own way. They both involved them almost dying. Uh, and then I, deciding to join the priesthood. I think Robert Ben Garantz, because again, he's the second one, so you want the height need, but just I think his wins for he's a human statue. 
who is shot what is it 19 times 19 times caught in mafia crossfire caught in a mafia crossfire and he says something to the effect of like i don't know if they didn't see me or if they just thought i was a real statue (laughs) (laughs) also great but then everything about that the the priest wasn't there so the women sucked the 19 bullets out of his body and And the the nuns are played by just gorgeous women wearing and, next to nothing and then again and then you have rob he will just be like can you spend a little bit longer explaining because <laughs> we're getting the just, flashback just a little bit more even a little bit just spend a little more time explaining <laughs> like no all of that made me laugh so much like uh yeah just fantastic all around that that scene to me i think is just on its it's own. the best it, scene in the movie. It's, it's a great scene. comedy sketch, too. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's the best scene in the movie, and you could play it without context to someone, you know, without telling them anything else about the movie. Just show them that scene, and it's hilarious. Like, and it, in it and of holds itself. Because you don't need to know that they're priests investigating an possible demon possession exorcism situation. Yeah, no. Like, you, don't need, you just need to know that there's two chain-smoking priests, two doofus cops eating po'boys at Domelisi's in... Uh, Nolans. I mean, what else could you possibly need to know? No, and that's and yeah, and it because it, it literally is a complete pause button for everything else that's going on in the movie. And I would say nine times out of ten, that's a bad choice. Uh, this is that one time that it's a great choice. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, I think my second silver lining is Keegan Michael Key. He's, I think, individual character wise, I think he's my favorite. Just like all the jump scares they set up are just so dumb and funny. And it like it it doesn't get old for me. No. And he is so likable and funny in the I mean, he's always hilarious, but like, yeah, no, he's great. I, I uh, yeah, he's such a good comedic actor and he's great in this as Fresnel spelled like it sounds. <laughs> it did amuse me that uh, that she's able to spell it. Yeah, it's spelled like this. Yeah. F apostrophe R-E-S-N-E-L Fresnel. <laughs> Like it sounds. Yeah. No, Keegan-Michael Key, great. Yeah, absolutely. Start to finish, everything that he said and did made me laugh. And just, yeah. again, it's it's such a, you know, you've seen a lot of versions of that, like the guy who crashes on the couch or whatever, you know, in the Judd Apatow movies. But like just the guy who hangs around and like the person whose house it is just slowly giving up. And allowing that person right. to stay always makes me laugh. Yeah, just when talking about the vintage porn and the all of it is just good. Which look, I because there's other silver linings to get to, and this is such a small thing. But since you mentioned the vintage porn, I did. I really appreciated at the very end when they're like, "Oh, well, that resolves everything." And then Rob Cordy's like, "Wait." What about the porn magazine that you were on the cover of? And she's like, oh, yeah. Don't, don't you remember my, my mother did uh, porn in the 70s? Oh, I did know that. Yep, that's right. I yeah. did. And that's that's the explanation for that. A plus. Yeah, just gold. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned her before, and I'm going to say it again. Ricky Lindholm. Yeah. Because I actually think when we were talking about it earlier, about how I think the second half of the movie is better than the first half. I think you could actually clock that as when she arrives, as when the movie gets good. Because she plays the sister, she's there to do the seance, 
Uh, and she she cracked me up like just her whole character is great. Like uh, she just kind of she's this like new age, like the whole ritual that she does. That's just smoking pot and uh, being in a circle yelling things and yelling things. All of that was great. Uh, she was hilarious. Her and Keegan-Michael Key's relationship really made me laugh. And the yeah, fact they just fall madly in love with each other and it's unacknowledged it's just treated like that's always it's just treated as eternal from that point on it's yeah. it's so good and then she's murdered he's like yeah. don't don't go dying because we're gonna be together and then she dies all of that is great that's then the hell baby eats her throat and also look i i'm trying to find the most respectful way to mention this and i but i i would be remiss if if we didn't, while talking about Ricky Lindholm, mention the fact that she is naked for a very a long time. Really long time. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's extended completely naked. And I will say that it is hilarious, the scene, because the point is that uh, that uh, Rob Corddry thinks that it's his wife and it's actually his wife's sister. But then once she opens the curtain and she's naked, she is not phased by the fact no, that not he sees one iota. And then, in fact, decides to start uh, slathering oil, like baby oil, all over her, her completely naked body for an extended period of time. And then asks him to rub oil on her back, which is a funny scene. And I think it's hilarious. And I, uh, you know, I applaud them all for coming up with it. But also... Look, I think it's only fair to acknowledge how incredibly hot that she looks in that scene. Yeah, it's it's I, it, we'd be remiss not to um, that. I, I feel like we do a good job of avoiding chauvinism on this show. We but. really try. And I think we're trying really hard in this scene. Maybe like maybe I'm overcorrecting because I don't want to be a show that's like ogling her. But at the same time, look. <laughs> If you're going to be full frontally nude covering yourself in baby oil and you look that good, I feel like it's it's our job as feminists to acknowledge how great that she looks. And it reports was that th that scene was her idea. Yes. Yeah. The 100 percent that she's friends with uh, with Lennon and Garant and like that she pitched it. Yeah. And that is in stark contrast to like a lot of what we talk about in horror movies with nude scenes. Right. Yeah, what we talked about last week with Jason goes to hell and other movies. So I think I think that makes it more OK to talk about. Um, and like it just the fact that it's. It, it's comedy and it's like she's not being sexualized while at the same time being sexualized. It's just a very well done comedy scene. It's perfect. And I would say it's such a well done and important comedy scene for all of the reasons that we said that all of you should study it to learn from it. Yes, you should. That's another scene that could probably stand alone as a comedy sketch. Yes, as a comedy sketch. As a comedy sketch. <laughs> it, it should stand alone. Yep, stand up on its own with no help from anything else. And in fact, I think the work that she's doing is so good that if there was a way to say crop out Rob Corddry so you could just focus on what she's adding to the scene, that you would learn a lot comedically from that yes. as well. Yeah. Right. If you could if you could make an edit of that, that's just the work she's doing as just a way to highlight women in comedy, I think would be. I think it's important work. It's important work. Say it. And I just to end this conversation, want to say 
I'm a little disappointed in Christopher Scarborough for not telling us ahead of time about the scene. I thought, well, no, because there's no boob tape. Right, 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 right. So, so, you know, you get a pass this time, Scarborough. Yeah. <laughs> just this once. But just this once. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of other funny scenes. Uh, <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani, I think, is hilarious in it when he's when he's leaving and he's just like, well, I'm, I'm really high. So we're just going to see how it goes. I mean, that line is so funny. And then the way he walks to the car <laughs> slowly cracked me up. And then as soon as he got behind the wheel, there are two trash cans in the shot. And I you, we all know comedically that he has to hit those trash cans. Right. But he does it trash can. But he does it so slowly and keeps it like he does it once he makes contact with the trash cans he just continues slowly moving forward just pushing them ever so slowly forward. no every bit of that made me laugh very hard that's all fantastic uh yeah, yeah camille was great like very brief cameo like you said this is well before uh he was a known entity but like he he's great from like every moment that he's on the screen uh enjoyed that I I do want to give a shout out to what I think might have been also Molly's favorite part of the movie as well, which is the actual hell baby. Whoever made that doll really did some fantastic work. Yeah, because it like it looks the right amount of fake for the type of movie that it's in. But also it, looks disturbing. But it's all. Yeah, it like. It looks like the type of thing that would have been tried to play off, played off as actually scary in 1984. Yes. It really works comedically in 2013. Yes. Also, just again, like I said, it really steps up in the end. But there's a lot of like, I think, individual moments that could just be highlighted in because the, the final like the exorcism scene is sort of just chaos. But in the chaos, there's a lot of individual moments that are great. And one of them was highlighted i think is just the game of tossing the hell baby to a different person in a circle but then also the fact that someone so there's twins there's a good baby and there's the evil baby and someone else will be holding the good baby but then they end up as that unfolds tossing both babies <laughs> because they'll throw the hell baby to someone holding the good baby and so there's a lot of like juggling of babies in that scene, which I really enjoyed. Well, and when they're just like punching the hell baby in the face. <laughs> Tom Lennon, especially, I feel like got a lot when of he shots has it in, in. The headlock and it's just like, yeah, Nolan Ryan on Robin Ventura, uh, the greatest <laughs> uh, baseball mound fight in history. Yeah. Um, just beating on the bait. It's hilarious. Um, when the baby like has that pause where it goes, mama, and then just immediately then attacks Leslie Bibb. It's hilarious. Uh, that whole scene is just bananas and it's awesome. Yeah. And perhaps the best writing in the movie, like the, the very satisfying callback is we get multiple like scenes where Rob Corddry is like weirdly obsessed with this one lamp that he found in the house that keeps shocking him. And then in the very end, that is the thing that uses to set the baby on fire. But he yes. runs into the room like in slow motion with the lamp over his head. Yeah, like a javelin, like a javelin. It's Good great. stuff. 
Yeah, good yeah, stuff. All the deaths are great. Yeah, um, Fresnel dying at the end, I thought was quality. That was a nice, nice touch at the end. That was another one like the Camille thing where I felt like it was telegraphed. Like it was because he's practically doing the like, I can't believe I made it all the way to the. So he's very much telegraphing that he's got to die. Uh, but yeah, that was really fun. And because he almost stepped in the dog poop. So. <laughs> I don't know what to make of the dog. It's neither a thing I'm maligning or a silver lining. It just exists. And I almost appreciate that. I, I will say, I think this counts as a silver lining is the fact that I now exclusively refer to dog feces as dog pup. <laughs> Ever since I started, I, I saw this movie 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Eight, or not eight years ago. Because I just think it's a funny way to say the word poop is pup. It is. And so thank you, Keegan-Michael Key. <laughs> For, for saying pup you've um, given us so much and here's a weird this is a weird uh bit of localism so i'm from uh syracuse new york originally and they do have a very distinct accent there uh where uh they pronounce most of their double o's like pup so they say rough and rut and instead of roof and root uh, but they don't they say poop they don't say pup hmm. uh but i think they should they should I, I think everyone should yeah so uh Donate to our linguistic pa uh, Patreon uh, project where we're trying to get people to say poop instead of poop. Well, and if uh, if you subscribe to the Davenport School of Comedy Writing, then you need to do two things now, which is you need to do a poop pass on a script to add as many poop jokes as possible. But then you need to do a pup pass on your poop pass to change poop to pup. Every time, all the time it. that you say poop, change it to pup. Yeah. And I know yeah. that you're probably saying, well, like, why can't I just do a pup pass? You can't. You can't it's, skip steps. We tried. Yeah, we tried. We tried. But, yeah. You have to do a poop pass before you can do a pup pass. That's In our remake of Gone with the Wind that we're writing. We were doing a we tried to just do a pup pass and it didn't work. And so we did a poop pass. I will just say first. the test screening loved when she said, I always depend on the kindness of strangers and then. <laughs> And then the strangers are too kind to right. to mention it. Yeah. Yeah, because she eats a bunch of beans before yeah. that. And then takes a pup. <laughs> this, that, uh, that's what the wind is in the yeah. script. We're like, we thought about it. We were like, gone with the wind. Well, what does that mean? They're breaking the wind. Yeah. That's what's gone with the wind is all the, all the farts. Yeah. Which I think... If you watch the original, I assume the farts were always supposed to be there. It was just for the time. You couldn't do it. You couldn't even right. show a toilet on screen. And no. trust me, we show so many toilets on screen. <laughs> Every scene, there's a toilet. It's yeah. uh, yeah, it's it's like a where's Waldo situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, come coming this winter. Yeah. Yeah. So, but to again, uh, not get in the way of our laser focus on this movie. Um. I think this movie is a solid comedy. I think it's a mediocre horror movie. Uh, and I think that the good far outweighs the bad. I think that the jokes that hit hit a lot harder than the jokes that miss miss. Yeah, no, I would agree with all that. And I mean, we kind of did it in bits and pieces, but just to restate it again, this cast is phenomenal. I love all of these people in this movie yeah. and they are all hilarious, both in this movie and in other things that you can find as well. Yeah, no, the, this these are just excellent comedians, comedic actors, comedic writers. 
Um, also, I mean, yeah. I assume people have seen the state and maybe Human Giant as well. If you haven't done a deep dive on Garfunkel and Oates as well, like go yeah. go check out some Garfunkel and Oates. I, the song "Pregnant Women Are Smug" I think about all the time, which is one of my yeah. favorites of theirs. Um, yeah, they're. I mean, they have a very distinct style, and uh, God's Loophole is my personal favorite. That one is of also the great. Garfunkel and Oates songs. Yeah, because um, it's just it's 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 so lowbrow, but like such clever wordplay in its lowbrowness that it's yeah it's great which yeah i think that's a real strength of them is is are the lyrics that they come up with like they're very good at it and i i would venture to say that if you enjoy flight of the concords you will enjoy garfunkel and oats because i think there's they're definitely spiritual cousins in yeah. the way that they write their comedic songs and the way they structure stuff yeah yeah so they are great uh just want to yeah. and obviously um, i mean we've all seen key and peel i assume Yes, so. I, I would assume that I would be very shocked if there's people listening to this podcast who have not seen Key and Peele. Yeah, which is one of the greatest sketch comedy shows of all time. Yeah. Um, and one of them became an excellent horror director. So I know it is fascinating that 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 Jordan Peele just had this whole other like because, again, if Key and Peele was it, if that was your legacy, that would be great. And then the fact that he left it to be like, no, I'm also one of the greatest horror directors working today. Yeah, I'm also going to make a horror movie get nominated for Best Picture and win Best Screenplay. Yeah, which hasn't happened since what, like Rosemary's Baby? <laughs> like, I think the, in actuality, I think The Exorcist was the last time. Oh, that, yeah, uh, that would have been after. Unless yeah. unless you count Silence of the Lambs, but that's more of a thriller. It's, I don't think. Know. Yeah, I mean, it has horror elements, but I don't think Silence of the Lambs is a horror. Like, film. I wouldn't call Silence of the Lambs a horror movie, but no. Exorcist is unquestionably yes. a horror movie. I think that yeah, was yeah. the last time. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Jaws is a horror movie, but it's sort of its own thing, too. Yes. Yeah. Again, uh, but I, yeah, like it doesn't happen. And Rosemary's Baby was probably the time before that. And I don't know. Rebecca was the time before probably, that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, point being, it does not happen very often. So, yeah. No. And, to... and Get Out is excellent. Us is yeah. very good. Haven't seen Nope to comment on that, but I'm, I know, sure I'm waiting for it to show up on street like, you know, on HBO or something and I will watch it. But yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that one. Um, no, but yeah, but that's the thing is like, yeah, if all Jordan Peele had done was Key and Peele, that's enough of a comedic legacy that puts them in the pantheon of great sketch comedians. Yeah. Like in the in the upper tier. Uh, but yeah, and then he did this whole other thing. And that's really that's really amazing. And by the way, when uh, we're just throwing out plugs for the cast. I have also been enjoying the show Reboot a lot, which has Keegan-Michael Key in it and is great. Uh, and I've laughed at every episode that I've watched. And I really love Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon was also great. Yeah. Keegan Michael, both Key and Peel are crushing it in their own ways. And they're yeah, post they're, they're Key and Peel. They're, they're doing yeah. their doing their thing. And it's it's really good. Also, well, again, last thing for for just this cast. But since we've mentioned uh, Keegan Michael Key so many times, if you ever want to see his face and my face in a movie. Don't think twice. You can yeah. see me as that was the I'm movie gonna, they start in. I'm going to claim that I'm a featured extra, and I'm going to do that based on the fact that there is a close up of my face. But I was in the audience uh, for one of the improv scenes. Yes, so. and it is unmistakably my good friend Joel Murphy in that movie. It's me. I've and got, you got Billing on the poster, so 
Yeah, it was weird. Birbiglia took his own name off the poster to add my name, which I thought was right. very nice. Which also features the other half of Garfunkel and Oates, Kate Micucci. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chris Gethard and Tammy Sager and Gillian really Jacobs. Yeah. yeah, Gillian Jacobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Joel Murphy. And so me. watch that, too. Yeah, yeah. Me and all my friends made all that one. All your pals. <laughs> we all keep in touch. We have Don't Think Twice reunion. Yeah, they have, a, they have a group test. It's hilarious. It is. It's so good. It's a lot of like, who are you again? Yeah. Why how did you, you get this chat? How did you get our numbers? You have all of our numbers? This is weird. Wait all, a minute. Also, we are not. There is no group chat. You're just texting all of us right now <laughs> saying we should hang out. And I mean, if you're a fan of movies that uh, cast members of Don't Think Twice that have also featured in movies with me. Uh, if you watch uh, Chris Gethard's uh, midlife crisis documentary, uh, it features yours truly. And uh, I get interviewed for the documentary. So I'm in there, too. What we're saying and, is, why has Chris Gethard not been on this podcast since we've both worked with him in the past? Yeah, it's 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 a real it's a real flub on our part. So stay tuned. We're going to get the geth at some point. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have a. Uh, Tammy Sager is going to be a guest, too, because why not? Because she's delightful. Yeah. Why not? Well, we're, I'll, I'll send out a group text and get him. Get him <laughs> Pick up book. that group chat and see if Ta see what Tammy Sager's up to and, and get her on the pod. Well, we did it again, Andy. Another laser focused edition of <laughs> Silver Linings Playback. You might as well call us Deadshot, though, how focused we are. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. <laughs> <laughs>